Chapter thirty seven of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter thirty seven. An Oyster Supper. Hurrah! cried Madge, but softly now it will go mother what do you think guess charity mr dillwyn is going to take our sunday school celebration on himself he's going to do it and we're to have not a stupid christmas tree but santa claus and his sled and he'll be santa claus won't it be fun who'll be santa claus said charity looking stupefied mr dillwyn in fact he'll be santa claus and his sled too he'll do the whole thing all we have got to do is to dress the children and ourselves and light up the church will the committees like that like it of course they will like it like it indeed don't you see it will save them all expense they'll have nothing to do but dress up and light up and warm up too i hope what makes mr dillwyn do all that i don't just make out i'll tell you said madge shaking her finger at the others impressively he's after mrs barclay so this gives him a chance to come here again don't you see after mrs barclay repeated charity i want to know don't believe it said lois she is too old for him she's not old said madge and he is no chicken my dear you'll see it's she he's after he's coming next time as santa claus that's all and we have got to make out a list of things things for presents for every individual girl or boy in the sunday school there's a job for you santa claus will want a big sled who is going to do what inquired mrs armadale here i don't understand you speak so fast children mother instead of a christmas tree we are going to have santa claus and his sled and the sled is to be heaped full of presents for all the children and mr dillwyn is going to do it and get the presents and be santa claus himself how be santa claus why he will dress up like santa claus and come in with his sled where in the church grandmother there is no other place the other church have their sunday schoolroom you know but we have none they are going to have their tree in the church though said charity they reckon the sunday school room won't be big enough to hold all the folks are they going to turn the church into a playhouse mrs armadale asked it's for the sake of the church and the school you know mother santa claus will come in with his sled and give the presents that is all at least that is all the play there will be what else will there be Oh, they'll be singing grandma said madge hymns and carols and such things that the children will sing and speeches and prayers i suppose the church used to be god's house in my day said the old lady with a concerned face looking up from her knitting while her fingers went on with their work as busily as ever they don't mean it for anything else grandmother said madge it's all for the sake of the school maybe they think so the old lady answered what else mother what else should it be but this she did not answer what's mr dillwyn got to do with it she asked presently 
he's going to help said madge it's nothing but kindness he supposes it is something good to do and he says he'd like to be useful he ain't no idea how said mrs armadale poor creature you can tell him it ain't the lord's work he's doing but we cannot tell him that mother said lois if the people want to have this celebration and they will hadn't we better make it a good one is it really a bad thing the devil's ways never help no one to heaven child not if they go singing hymns all the way but mother cried madge mr dillwyn ain't a christian maybe but he ain't as bad as that i didn't mean mr dillwyn dear nor no one else i meant theatre work santa claus mother it's actin ain't it the girls looked at each other there's very little of anything like acting about it lois said make straight paths for your feet said mrs armadale rising to go to bed make straight paths for your feet children straight ways is the shortest too if the children that don't love their teachers wants to go to the yellow church let em go i'd rather have the lord in a little school than santa claus in a big one she was leaving the room but the girls stayed her and begged to know what they should do in the matter of the list they were engaged to prepare for mr dillwyn you must do what you think best she said only don't be mixed up with it all any more than you can help lois why did the name of one child come to her lips and not the other did the old lady's affection or natural acuteness discern that mr dillwyn was not drawn to shampuashu by any particular admiration of his friend mrs barclay had she some of that preternatural intuition plain old countrywoman though she was which makes a woman see the invisible and hear the inaudible which serves as one of the natural means of defence granted to the weaker creatures i do not know i do not think she knew however the warning was given and not on that occasion alone and as lois heeded all her grandmother's admonitions although in this case without the most remote perception of this possible ground to them it followed that mr dillwyn gained less by his motion than he had hoped and anticipated the scheme went forward hailed by the whole community belonging to the white church with the single exception of mrs armadale it went forward and was brought to a successful termination i might say a triumphant termination only the triumph was not for mr dillwyn or not in the line where he wanted it he did his part admirably a better santa claus was never seen nor a better filled sled and genial pleasantness and wise management and cool generalship and fun and kindness were never better represented so it was all through the consultations and arrangements that preceded the festival as well as on the grand occasion itself and shampuashuh will long remember the time with wonder and exultation but it was madge who was mr dillwyn's coadjutor and fellow counsellor it was madge and mrs barclay who helped him in all the work of preparing and ticketing the parcels for the sled as well as in the prior deliberations as to what the parcels should be madge seemed to be the one at hand always to answer a question madge went with him to the church and in general lois though sympathizing and curious and interested and amused was very much out of the play not so entirely as to make the fact striking only enough to leave mr dillwyn disappointed and tantalized 
I am not going into a description of the festival and the show the children sang the minister made a speech to them not ten consecutive words of which were listened to by three-quarters of the people the church was filled with men women and children the walls were hung with festoons and wreaths and emblazoned with mottoes the anthems and carols followed each other till the last thread of patience in the waiting crowd gave way and at last came what they were waiting for santa claus all fur robes and snow and icicles dragging after him a sledge that looked like a small mountain with a heap of articles piled and packed upon it and then followed a very busy and delightful hour and a half during which the business was the distribution of pleasure it was such warm work for santa claus that at the time he had no leisure for thinking naturally the thinking came afterwards he and mrs barclay sat by her fire resting after coming home from the church dillwyn was very silent and meditative you must be glad it is done philip said his friend watching him and wishing to get at his thoughts i have no particular reason to be glad you have done a good thing i am not sure if it is a good thing mrs armadale does not think so mrs armadale has rather narrow notions i don't know i should be glad to be sure she is not right it's discouraging he added with half a smile for the first time in my life i set myself to work and now i am not at all certain that i might not just as well have been idle work is a good thing in itself said mrs barclay smiling pardon me work for an end work without an end or with the end not attained it is no better than a squirrel in a wheel you have given a great deal of pleasure to the children for aught i know they might have been just as well without it there will be a reaction to-morrow very likely and then they will wish they had gone to see the christmas tree at the other church but they were kept at their own church how do i know that is any good perhaps the teaching at the other school is the best you are tired said mrs barclay sympathizingly not that i have done nothing to tire me but it strikes me it is very difficult to see one's ends in doing good much more difficult than to see the way to the ends you have partly missed your end haven't you said mrs barclay softly he moved a little restlessly in his chair then got up and began to walk about the room then came and sat down again what are you going to do next she asked in the same way suppose you invite them the two girls or her alone to make you a visit in new york where at any hotel you prefer say the windsor oh philip philip what you could have pleasant rooms and be quite private and comfortable as much as if you were in your own house and what should we cost you you are not thinking of that said he i will get you a house if you like it better but then you would have the trouble of a staff and servants i think the windsor would be much the easiest plan you are in earnest in earnest he repeated in surprise have you ever questioned it you judge because you never saw me in earnest in anything before in my life no indeed said mrs barclay i always knew it was in you what you wanted was only an object what do you say to my plan i am afraid they would not come 
there is the care of the old grandmother they would not leave everything to their sister alone tempt them with pictures and music and the opera the opera philip she would not go to a theatre or anything theatrical for any consideration they are very strict on that point and sunday keeping and dancing do not speak to her of the opera they are not so far wrong i never saw a decent opera yet in my life philip exclaimed mrs barclay in the greatest surprise i never heard you say anything like that before i suppose it makes a difference he said thoughtfully with what eyes a man looks at a thing and dancing i don't think i care to see her dance philip you are extravagant i believe i should be fit to commit murder if i saw her waltzing with anybody jealous already said mrs barclay slyly if you like do you see her as i see her he asked abruptly there was a tone in the last words which gave mrs barclay's heart a kind of constriction she answered with gentle sympathy i think i do i have seen handsomer women he went on madge is handsomer in a way you may see many women more beautiful according to the rules but i never saw any one so lovely i quite agree with you said mrs barclay i never saw anything so lovely he repeated she is most like a white lily said mrs barclay no that is not her type no as long as the world stands a rose just open will remain the fairest similitude for a perfect woman its commonness cannot hinder that she is not an unearthly dendrobium she is an earthly rose not too good for human nature's daily food if one could find the right sort of human nature just so fresh unconscious and fair with just such a dignity of purity about her i cannot fancy her at the opera or dancing a sort of unapproachable tea-rose said mrs barclay smiling at him though her eyes were wistful no said he a tea-rose is too fragile there is nothing of that about her thank heaven no said mrs barclay there is nothing but sound healthy life about her mental and bodily and i agree with you sweet as ever a human life can be in the garden or at her books hark that is for supper for here there came a slight tap on the door supper cried philip yes it is rather late and the girls promised me a cup of coffee after your exertions but i dare say everybody wants some refreshment by this time come there was a cheery supper-table spread in the dining-room coffee indeed and stony creek oysters and excellently cooked only charity and madge were there mrs armadale had gone to bed and lois was attending upon her mr dillwyn however was served assiduously i hope you're hungry you've done a load of good this evening mr dillwyn said charity as she gave him his coffee thank you i don't see the connection said philip with an air as different as possible from that he had worn in talking to mrs barclay in the next room people ought to be hungry when they have done a great deal of work madge explained as she gave him a plate of oysters i do not feel that i have done any work oh well i suppose it was play to you said charity but that don't make any difference you've done a load of good why the children will never be able to forget it nor the grown folks either as far as that goes 
They'll talk of it and of you for two years and more. I'm doubtful about the real worth of fame, Miss Charity, even when it lasts two years. Oh, but you've done so much good, said the lady. Everybody sees now that the white church can hold her own. Nobody will think of making disagreeable comparisons if they have fifty Christmas trees. Suppose I had helped the yellow church. Charity looked as if she did not know what he could be at. Just then in came Lois and took her place at the table, and Mr. Dillwyn forgot all about rival churches. Here's Mr. Dillwyn. Don't you think he's done any good, Lois? cried her elder sister. Do cheer him up a little. I think it's a shame to talk so. Why, we've done all we wanted to and more. There won't be a soul go away from our church or school after this, now they see what we can do. And I shouldn't wonder if we got some accessions from the other instead. And here's Mr. Dillwyn says he don't know as he's done any good. Lois lifted her eyes and met his, and they both smiled. Miss Lois sees the matter as I do, he said. These are capital oysters. Where do they come from? But Philip, cried Mrs. Barclay, you have given a great deal of pleasure. Isn't that good? Depends, said he. Probably it will be followed by a reaction. And you have kept the church together, added Charity, who was zealous. By a rope of sand, then, Miss Charity. At any rate, Mr. Dillwyn, you meant to do good, Lois put in here. I do not know, Miss Lois. I am afraid I was thinking more of pleasure myself, and shall experience myself the reaction I spoke of. I think I feel the shadow of it already, as a coming event. But if we aren't to have any pleasure, because afterwards we feel a little flat, and of course we do, said Charity, everybody knows that, but, for instance, if we're not to have green peas in summer, because we can't have them any way but dry in winter, Things would be very queer, queerer than they are, and they're queer enough already. This speech called forth some merriment. You think even the dry remains of pleasure are better than nothing, said Philip. Perhaps you are right. And to have those, we must have the green reality, said Lois merrily. I wonder if there is any way of keeping pleasure green, said Dillwyn. Vain, vain, Mr. Dillwyn, said Mrs. Barclay. Two last, two cast, two pass. Don't you know? Solomon said, I believe, that all was vanity, and he ought to know. But he didn't know, said Lois quickly. Lois, said Charity, it's in the Bible. I know it is in the Bible that he said so, Lois rejoined merrily. Was he not right then? Mr. Dillwyn asked. Perhaps, Lois answered, now gravely, if you take simply his view. What is his view? Won't you explain? I suppose you ain't going to set up to be wiser than Solomon at this time of day, said Charity severely, but that stirred Lois's merriment again. Explain, Miss Lois, said Dillwyn. I am not Solomon that I should preach, she said. You just said you knew better than he, said Charity. How should you know better than the Bible? I don't see. It's news. Why, Charity, Solomon was not a good man. How came he to write Proverbs, then? At least he was not always a good man. That don't hinder his knowing what was vanity, does it? But Lois, said Mrs. Barclay, go back and tell us your secret if you have one. 
how was solomon's view mistaken or what is yours these things were all given for our pleasure mrs barclay but they die and they go and they fade said mrs barclay you will not understand me said lois and yet it is true if you are christ's then all things are yours the world or life or death or things present or things to come all are yours there is no loss but there comes more gain i wish you'd let mr dillwyn have some more oysters said charity and madge do hand along mrs barclay's cup you mustn't talk if you can't eat at the same time lois ain't solomon yet if she does preach you shut up lois and mind your supper my rule is to enjoy things as i go along and just now it's oysters i will say for lois here put in mrs barclay that she does exemplify her own principles i never knew anybody with such a spring of perpetual enjoyment she ain't happier than the rest of us said the elder sister not so happy as grandmother added madge at least grandmother would say so i don't know End of chapter 37